We got a lot to say about We know what to say, though, when the bad things happen, don't we? When we get the bad news, we, we got a lot to say about that. We know exactly how to respond to that. We'll respond quickly. I have a lot to say when we get bad news. But when we get good news, news that seems too good to be true, we either laugh it off as though it isn't real or because we feel like we don't deserve it. Or what we could do, what we could do instead is we could accept the fact that we are undeserving. We are undeserving. And we could just have a good cry, tears of joy even expressing to God our thanks. Sarah, Abraham's wife, doubted God's promise at first, but faith prevailed, and that's why she's listed in this long list of saints that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. So let's read this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, just verse 11. Hear now the words of the one true and living God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. May we treasure it as we ought. Help us to see it as more precious to us than gold, even much fine gold. God, I pray that you would help me and all of my weakness and my inability. Lord, because you are faithful, may your people hear your word this morning and receive it by faith. In Christ's name, amen. Sarah considered God faithful. Right? She had her doubts. God promised her a son even when she was way past the age of childbearing, but she considered God faithful. That's what we just read. The thing didn't make sense to her. It, it, there was no way around that. It, it didn't. It didn't make sense. But she considered who said it. She considered the source, the one that this message was coming from. All right, now holding those two ideas that seem to clash, one in each hand, Right? And the one hand, her physical limitations and inability. And then God's infinite goodness and ability over here. She bowed her soul to his divine sovereignty. We said something about that last week. And she put those things together. And what she held there, what you get when you put those two things together, is true faith. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith, but true faith endures doubts until God overcomes them. That's the main idea of the sermon this morning. And you need to remember that if you're struggling to believe God's promises to you. If you believe in God that he sent his only son into the world to die in the place of sinners, but you're having trouble trusting him today in your circumstances, not feeling so secure in his care. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith, but true faith endures doubts until God overcomes them. That's the kind of faith Sarah had, and that's what she's commended for here in Hebrews 11. And Sarah's story, as we look at it, is really a tale of two laughs. 
We'll see in a minute when we cruise back over to Genesis that she laughed when she heard God's promise. And she laughed when she received God's promise, when Isaac was born. Two very different laughs. And Isaac's name, and Isaac, you know this, they means laughter or he will laugh. So let's look back at where Sarah is mentioned. We've done this with all the people we've listed so far in, in Hebrews 11. We're getting to know them the way the author's audience knows them. So let's use the same source they had and get to know them. And that's cool, isn't it? Don't let that just, just go out one ear and not the other, right? We know the same way they knew. Isn't that cool? We know the same way they knew. So let's look back together and examine uh, Sarah and her life. Let's look back at Genesis 18. You can turn with me there now. Uh, we'll start by looking out at verse 9. And while you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of context here. At this point, God has established his covenant with Abraham, right? And a covenant is, is, a, um, is a promise that God establishes with his people and guarantees by his word. He's made promises to Abraham. He's promised that Abraham would be a father of many nations, that he would give him a son. Hasn't happened yet, okay? Hasn't happened yet. In fact, Sarah figures he's going to have to have this child with somebody else because she can't do it. She's too old. So she gives him Hagar, her, her maidservant, and Ishmael is born to Abraham, okay? God's already told him at this point, no, no, not that one, not that one. The son I'm going to give you, the son that I'm promising you, you're going to have with your wife. That's what he had told Abraham. Now watch this. In chapter 18, the Lord appears to Abraham, and the way in which he appears to him is these three visitors. Okay, we're told Abraham looks up and he sees three men standing there, and he invites them in. He rushes around to prepare a meal for them, to make them comfortable in his home. And what's the first thing we see the Lord say to him. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Verse 9. Where is Sarah, your wife? In other words, where's Sarah? She's going to need to hear this. She was listening at the door of the tent. And this is what she heard. Verse 10. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. From God's lips to Sarah's ears. God knew what this doubting woman needed. And in his love for her and his grace toward her, he gave it to her. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Paul tells us in Romans 10. Sarah was going to be the mother of the messianic line. She needed to believe that there would be one a Messiah. Sarah's hearing the promise Eve heard in the garden. You realize that? There will be a son that will come through the woman, a promised seed, a deliverer who will redeem his people. And now Sarah's being told, it starts now, Sarah, and it starts with you. This is how I'm bringing this about. That's the message Sarah received. And you think, but that's impossible right? That's impossible. They would take a miracle. And that, brothers and sisters, is what we have to keep in focus. Which is the greater miracle? The old woman who could still give birth or that God would send his son into the world to die for sinners like me and you? If we're believing the second, 
okay? If we're believing the second, how can we doubt the first? Which is the greater miracle, really? We get bogged down, though, in the details of our lives and the circumstances, and that's not to suggest that God isn't concerned with the details and the circumstances. He most certainly is, but He is sovereign over the details and the circumstances. He has a plan, and He keeps His promises. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. So here's the deal, right? Divine power was needed. Divine power was given. You see that? And Sarah had faith because she understood the character of God. He is faithful. And so if he has promised, it must be possible. But let's look at this a bit. Let's, uh, let's kind of look at two points. The problem of unbelief and the blessings of faith. Sarah, it's obvious, struggled with unbelief for a time. She laughed at God's promise. If you've still got a thumb over there in Genesis 18, look there at verse 11. Sarah's been, um, to put it kindly, providentially eavesdropping, Okay. Right? God, God has intended for her to, to hear this, to hear the promise. And then verse 11, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. That's a, that's a woman's monthly reproductive cycle, the way of women, right? That, that's long gone. She, she's past all that. She's way on the other side of that. And so it says there in verse 12, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So instead of considering right away the power of God, the goodness of God, and the promise of God, she considered the improbability of the thing promised, and it became immediately an impossibility in her mind. And so while she was waiting, instead of keeping her eyes fixed on the God of ability, she lowered her gaze to her own inability. And she stayed there for a while. Sarah knew what she was. She was a woman. People have a harder time defining that these days, but Sarah did not. She knew she was a woman. And how she knew is she had the ability that's uniquely given to women that she can have children. It just never happened for her, right? At this point in her life, she would have had a memory of when she was, when, when she was in her prime, when she was of childbearing age, when that was, that was a hope and even an expectation. She would have had a memory of that when she was in her prime. But at this point, she would have also had a memory when she was aware that that prime had passed. That's where she was. And I realize this is a sensitive issue for women who can relate. Tragically, but true, there's a point when the question leaves your mind, when, when the hope just dissolves. That's where Sarah was. And she could finally stop torturing herself, though, with all the what-ifs and the buts and the maybes. And she had. She'd arrived at that place. Unless God spoke. Unless God spoke. There was no point in hoping anymore for her unless God spoke. Hope is always pointless unless God has promised, and he has. And what he has promised to all those who are believing in him is life after death. 
and just kind of put this all together, right? He's promised all the believing life after death. That's the greater miracle. That's the greater promise. Uh, spring after winter. And it just, as it turns out here for Sarah and her life, in the winter of her life, God was going to give something to her that she was unable to do, even in her prime. She didn't just not have the power to conceive in her old age. She never had it, even in her prime. All the more reason to laugh at the notion that she'd have a child now, right? That's, that's what unbelief does. Look, look at what else unbelief does. Verse 13, we see God's reaction to Sarah's laughter, okay? He says, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And then look, look at the kindness and the patience of God. He doesn't take the promise away. He doesn't move on and find somebody else more deserving. He doesn't condemn her for her doubting. He builds up her faith. He meets her where she is, not where she should have been. He takes weak faith and makes it stronger. He repeats the promise in her hearing. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith, but true faith endures those doubts until God overcomes them. And he does. He overcomes them. He takes weak faith where it is, and he makes it stronger he is always giving us all the more reason to believe. Not because things around us begin to change, but because he never changes. His word abides forever and his promises are true. And the one who has promised is faithful. That's what Sarah had to lean on and press into. She had to wrestle with those doubts long enough for God to overcome them. But her immediate reaction, right, her immediate reaction in her unbelief was to actually cover that up. You see that in verse 15? She knows God knows she laughed. She knows God knows this uh, private little conversation that she's having in her own head. And she lies. Uh, I didn't laugh. But God says, no, no, but you did. You did, you laughed. In her unbelief and lack of trust in God, she covers it up with a lie. This self-reliance and angling, maneuvering thing that she does here, this isn't new to her. You remember the thing with Hagar. We mentioned it a few moments ago, right? When God told Abraham he'd have a son, Sarah should have assumed he met with her. She was his wife but she didn't. She took matters into her own hands and gives her servant Hagar to Abraham, and Abraham has a son with her. Sarah avoids her problem of unbelief and what God is doing in her husband's life, which includes what he's doing in her life. And the way that she does that, she avoids it by just trying to achieve the end result of God's promise on her own. She was so sure God was wrong that he meant Abraham would have a son with her, that she made sure Abraham did not have a son with her, but had a son with Hagar. Because that's easier than believing God, isn't it? That would be easier than believing God, and it gets the job done. 
And I'll just say, it, it, isn't, that, isn't that such a woman thing? Ladies, I don't want to pick on you too much, but isn't that kind of a thing, right? Like, you see what needs to be done. And you're like, nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to jump in and do it. I'm going to take one for the team, get it done. And you may even hurt over it and say, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Sarah wasn't fine. She was not fine. You know how that turned out? If you look back at chapter 16, Hagar conceives, right? And she's like, nanny, nanny, poo poo at Sarah. Sarah flips out on Abraham. She flips out on Hagar and Hagar runs away. God has to come to her and comfort her and counsel her to go back. And now you've got these two women living together and traveling with Abraham. And guys, I know what we're all thinking, right? Should not have done that. That was a bad idea. But he did. He went for it. He did go for it. He went for it. That's what passive men do. They go for it. That's what Adam did. Heard directly from God. Went along with his wife's plan instead. Sarah thought her intentions were good, right? She wasn't trying to cause a problem. She thought her intentions were good. She had pure motivations. God said, you have a son. I want that for you. I can't do it. But here, have a son. I'm fine. It'll be fine. I'm fine. We all do this. We all lean on our own understanding at times rather than trusting in God with all our heart, as we are instructed to. We rely on ourselves, usually just long enough to realize we cannot be relied upon. And we all find out that what we get for our efforts to, to try to achieve for ourselves whatever it is that we desire, whatever it is that we get in the end, only mimic the blessings that God has promised to his people, and they never come close to the real thing. Here's what's astonishing, y'all. Here's what's astonishing. Sarah, laughing at God, her unbelief and where it leads her, the sins that she committed and the foolishness she was a part of and the strife that it caused were all pardoned and forgotten. Her faith is what she is remembered for in Hebrews 11. That's her record. Not unbelief, but faith. Which means her faith prevailed. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith, but true faith endures doubts until God overcomes them. Sarah's a perfect example. A perfect example of that. We see doubting there. Even the faith will do that from time to time, have doubts. But what we learn here is that where faith prevails, unbelief is forgotten. I said in the beginning, Sarah's story is a, a tale of two laughs. She laughed when she heard that she'd have a son, right? Instead of saying, how amazing. Her first reaction was to say, how absurd. But there's a second laugh, and it's different. Let's look at Genesis chapter 21 now. Just flip a few pages over. Genesis chapter 21. I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 7. Okay? Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Let's go through this. It says there, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, 
at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. When Sarah heard the promise, she laughed to herself with distrust and doubt. But when she received the promise in her arms and saw him nursing at her breast, don't miss that. That's what God has done. That's what he's done in, in her body. She's not only able to nurture life inside, but outside the womb. We're supposed to hear that and say, that's impossible. So that we'll remember God's reply. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? So as she sits nursing her child that she bore to Abraham in awe of what God has done, she laughs to herself forever doubting God. Matthew Henry in his commentary says, when God gives us the mercies we began to despair of, we ought to remember with sorrow and shame our sinful distrust of God's power and promise. And that's true, but God doesn't delight in I told you so's, right? There's a moment of sorrow and shame where we see how foolish we've been for not believing him and for not trusting him, but then joy is restored. Do you see that? Do you see that in Sarah? God has made me to laugh. We are given reason to rejoice, especially when we've had to wait. You know, the longer we wait, it seems, the more welcome those mercies are when they finally come. We wish it weren't that way, but it is, isn't it? True faith endures doubts until God overcomes them. The presence of doubt is not the absence of faith, but true faith endures doubts until God overcomes them. God certainly overcame them in Sarah's life. And then look at the blessings of faith. Look what God does. Look at the blessings of faith. Look at Hebrews again, chapter 11. Let's flip that chunk of pages back over. Hebrews 11, verse 12, right after the verse we're on this morning. It says, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. That came from Sarah. It was promised to her. And they looked forward to those things that were promised from afar, verse 13 goes on to say. It began to be settled in the minds of Abraham's family that God is able and he keeps his promises. They had found satisfaction for their souls in this God of promise. And their, their faith led to obedience. They embraced the commands of God, not as, not as, a, not as a work that earns righteousness, but as an outworking of the righteousness that God had given them by faith, you begin to see them embracing the commands of God and the fruit of their faith in that. They refused to follow the world. Remember, we keep saying this. This keeps popping up as we're going through Hebrews 11. 
They refused to follow the world. They followed Christ instead. That's obvious to us in verse 13. It goes on to say that they, they recognized themselves as being uh, strangers and exiles on the earth, right? They refused to follow the world. They followed Christ instead, even when it didn't make sense. Because it didn't. It didn't make sense. It didn't have to. Sarah considered him faithful who had promised. Again, thinking about the one who had made the promise. What's he like? Ultimately, what he promised wasn't just a child either, as we know, but the child, Christ, God incarnate. The promised seed that all these descendants was moving towards, everything was moving towards this promised Messiah. And here's what we see happens in the life of these saints. And Sarah is no exception. True faith wants what God wants. True faith, until true faith, true faith wants what God wants. And where it recognizes it's not wanting those things, it's, it's saying, ah, God, I confess. I don't want those things. I, I, I want to want those things. But I'm going to have to be convinced of it. That's what doubt does. That's what the struggle looks like. No struggle, no faith. Unbelievers don't struggle. True faith wants what God wants, and so it endures the doubts. We talked a little bit about desires last week. We see these folks desired that better country God had promised, we saw in verse 15. So here's how this works, okay? Here's how uh, faith endures doubts while God's overcoming them. Desiring what God has promised actually strengthens faith. And the stronger the faith is, the stronger those desires become. See how that works? Isn't that interesting? That strong desire for those things actually strengthens faith, and the stronger the faith becomes, the stronger those desires become. They just feed one into another. And you hear that and you say, you mean if I'm doubting today, I can just look at what God has said and what he has promised and believe it? Not because it makes sense to me, but just because he is faithful, that's exactly what I'm telling you this morning. Yeah, but it seems hard to get over that hump. Sarah knows! That's why she's brought up here. She knows. There was no way what God said was going to happen could happen. Divine power was needed and divine power was given. Sarah had faith, not because it all added up in her mind, but because she understood the character of God. He is faithful. And so if he has promised, it must be possible. It must be, or he wouldn't have promised. As crazy and as too simple as that all sounds, he has promised he can save a wretch like me. If I repent of my sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if he's promised that that is possible for me, it has to be. It must be possible. It must be possible for me to be saved. It must be possible I can be forgiven of all my sins, be rid of all my shame, and for me to live a life in trust and obedience to him. And if he can do all that, and if he'd be willing to do all that for me, I know that while I may have moments of doubt, I am on the right path, and you will not take me off it. I'm staying right here and I will never leave. That's a faith that overcomes, that prevails over doubt. 
that waits as God overcomes doubt. That's what the author of Hebrews wants these people to see, right? Hasn't he been saying that? Don't leave. Don't go anywhere. Stay. Stay where you are. I know you have doubts. That's why Sarah's mentioned here. Be encouraged. Look, God not only can make a barren womb fruitful, he can do the same with a barren soul, an old, worn-out, tired soul. God is patient and caring and merciful and kind. He doesn't withdraw his promises from you when you're doubting. He won't do it. Do you hear me, doubters? God is not ashamed to be called your God. Your doubts are not obstacles that he cannot overcome. He does and he will. And as you continue to believe in his promises, he strengthens your faith reaffirms his promises to you over and over again in your hearing as he did with Sarah when she was eavesdropping at the tent door. As often as you come to him in his word and you hear his word preached, you find God, you find what he has promised, and you find his track record of faithfulness from cover to cover for those who trust in him. So be reminded this morning as we close, nothing can thwart God's promises. And we see that with Sarah. What we see here, it's interesting. What we see here, we see uh, persevering faith. But we see persevering faith is not always a faith that's perfectly expressed either, is it? We can chase our tails when our faith is weak and sin against God, sometimes in some very costly ways. But persevering faith, the kind of faith Sarah had, and the, the author of Hebrews wants his audience to have, and the kind of faith we're instructed to have here this morning is a faith that endures doubts. It's a faith that becomes stronger over the course of time. We just can't help it. We can't help it. Why? Because God has promised that those who have confessed Jesus as Lord and believed in him for the forgiveness of sins are reconciled to God, and that means he will not let you go. Period. And believing that promise, holding on to that promise, however strange or foreign or too simple it may seem to you at times, it's how that faith gets built up. It's how we begin to desire the things that God wants us to want and to hate the things that God hates. It's how that begins to grow in the life of a Christian. And as those desires grow, our faith grows right along with it, and the desires become all the stronger, and the things of this world begin to fade away. When God impresses himself upon a soul and replaces a heart of stone with a heart of flesh, that heart belongs to him. He has put it there for a purpose and he will accomplish his purposes in that person's life. Faith will, it must. Not only can it, it does prevail over unbelief. It did for Sarah. And so as we consider this morning, as we consider her, her life this morning, and why she's listed here, we're reminded, once again, it's worth it. Jesus is better. And if all he wants from me is for me to keep my eyes fixed on him, to have faith in him, I'll do it. Here I am, Lord, send me. 
I'll do it. I'll even do it imperfectly if I have to. I'll do it however long enough I need to do it until my faith is turned to sight because he's promised great blessing to me and I know that he who has promised is faithful. Let's pray. Lord God,